episode 74 of Fadeless, a podcast devoted to the Supernatural series Lost Girl and all things sci-fi, supernatural, fantasy, and horror. My name is Dave, and I'm joined via cyberspace tonight, as always, by my co-host, Wayne. How you doing? Hey, Dave. What's going on? 74. I am just blown away. I cannot believe it's been that many. Ah, we might actually hit 100 at some point. We might. Yeah. Well, we're on a good roll right now. Uh which summer tends to afford us a little bit more flexibility in recording a little bit more scheduled time time in their schedule yeah so so uh but anyway for the listeners we'd love to hear from you you can drop us a line at fadelesspodcast at gmail.com or go to the website at fadeless.podbean.com leave a voicemail via the speak pipe tab or you just record your own audio clip send the mp3 as an attachment all right so are we done already we are done already. Yes. Oh, okay. See, I see. Right. I see what you're doing. You did that last week too. Yeah, like, I did. You snuck all, right. all that in at the beginning. And I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep doing it. But that's uh, a good idea. Yeah. I never listen to the end of the podcast. Well, I usually fall asleep at the podcast I listen to. So yeah. I, I never make it to the end. But yeah, I never thought about that too much. But like, I never listen to the contact us information. You know, but the, the minute they start doing that, I'm like, boop, oh, next one. Yep. So anyway, tonight we're here to discuss episode eleven of birds of prey and give you our abbreviated takes on falling skies the almighty johnson's the leftovers and defiance but uh, before we get into that it's time for do we care do we care and do we care that for the second year in a row the emmy board has ignored the work that tatiana maslany is doing on bbc america's orphan black absolutely i care that is a freaking travesty it's just ludicrous yeah. Ludicrous. Yeah. I mean, now, did you happen to look at the actresses that are nominated? Uh, you know, I did. Well, well I've got them here. Okay. So, okay. Now, now, best actress in a drama series. And I mean, to be fair, this happens to be one year where I've actually seen most of the shows, at least one episode, and in most cases, more than one. All right. So, uh, the first is Robin Wright for House of Cards. All right, now, I'm not one of those people that thinks House of Cards is all that groundbreaking, but... I still haven't seen it. Um, know, I, I have Netflix, so there's really no excuse, but I just haven't, haven't got to it yet. I mean, she's, she's a really good actress. I, oh, like, I, I loved her in Forrest Gump. Oh, I, I mean, I love her in you know Princess Bride. Uh, I oh, love yeah, her right. in a film that most people don't even know exists called Denial, uh, and I really like her groundbreaking i don't think so is she good in this yeah absolutely now carrie washington in scandal and i just have one word really i have not I, seen Scandal. Yeah, i mean so I I, again it's one of those things can't that, comment that, on it see uh, we have the tv on all the time and very often we're both sitting there with laptops on our laps and neither is motivated enough to pick up the remote so so that's one of those shows that's been on and nobody turned it off i i I just can't believe it all right now juliana margalis good wife again okay she's good but but you you know they're going to reward the big boys right i mean there that goes without question that there's gonna be someone from each of the big three that's going to get but she's already been rewarded and it's a procedural you know okay uh michelle dockery downton abbey um, I've seen season one of Downton Abbey, and and again, she's good, and 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 I, and I've actually seen some episodes of other um, seasons as well. Season one's the only one I've seen straight through. Um, Claire Danes for Homeland, 
again, she's good, but she's been nominated, what, every year for the past three years? But I, I mean, I've never seen Homeland, but I heard she's like really good. Like, well, she, she is really good. Yeah. There, there's no question. So and, I don't think we can necessarily dispute that selection no. there. Uh, and then lastly, a show that I'm obsessed with right now. I think it's, again, one of the best non-genre shows on, and that's Masters of Sex and Lizzie Kaplan who plays uh, Virginia E. Johnson, one of the authors of the Masters and Johnson sex study of the 50s and 60s. So yes. now, so those are the six that are nominated. And, and I'm sorry, there's a, at least a couple that, that I could take off there to get Tatiana Maslany on there. And they're all fine actresses. But, I mean, we know what Tatiana Maslany has done. So getting back, do we care? Hell yes, we care. And hopefully it won't happen three years in a row, but... I don't think either of us will be shocked. Yeah, and I think part of it is just what the the genre universe, if you're not Game of Thrones, that genre shows kind of get hosed, right? They they aren't maybe seen as like real shows or as serious as as your normal dramas or whatever. Yeah, I know. I absolutely agree with you. So, so but it's I mean, it's just it is crazy though. Yep. It's it's ludicrous, just beyond belief. And like the few articles that I read about, because honestly, we could have like, do we care? Like, do we care about the Emmys? And the answer would be no. Uh, do we care about any of these award shows? Really, no. But that being said, you know, as recognizing someone who's the tops in their field, um, to to say Tatiana Maslany isn't one of the top five or six actresses in television today is just. That's just cray-cray. Right, right. So, all right. Well, anyway, there it is for this week. Do we care? And now we'll move on to a little bit of sci-fi news. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, ratings. We haven't talked about that in a while with a couple of our shows. And I'm going to start off with uh, Defiance that's appearing on the Sci-Fi Network. And the first four weeks opened with 2.01 million, 1.43, 1.49 up to 1.65 and it's a 1.64 average now compared to season one a 2.09 average it's a fall off but not terrible so i think you know defiance is doing okay Uh, i'm going to talk a little bit about it tonight are you up to date on watching it still no okay Uh, i think it's really rebounded nicely Uh, i think season one was uneven i liked it Uh, I'm certainly glad I stuck around for season two. All right, now, Falling Skies, that appears on TNT. Through the first three weeks, 3.67 million, down to 2.96, down to 2.75. At this point, a 3.13 average, as opposed to season three last year, 3.53. A little bit of a drop-off, not much. I think Falling Skies is, is... as safe as a show can be. Uh, I think we'll definitely see a season five. Cool. Yeah, that's good because that show is awesome. Yeah. Now the leftovers, which appears on HBO, uh, did 1.77 million the first week, 1.55 the second week. And, you know, HBO and Showtime, all the, the cable networks, it's a little, uh, the pay cable networks, it's a little more difficult to compare. So I, I went back and looked at true blood for season one. Leftovers, 1.77. Pilot episode, True Blood, 1.44. 1. 1.82, 1. 1.82. So Leftovers, True Blood, I mean, they're in the same 
uh, ballpark. Now, right, and there's not even sex of the leftovers. So well, not so far, anyway. Right, they so, did have but, a sp- you know, spin the iPhone thing. True, but nothing like like True Blood. I mean, that was probably part of the attraction of the show. It's like all that. Again, not having seen it, but I just know like that's what kind of is associated with it. Yes. Yeah, I mean certainly, and and I mean you know the vampire supernatural stuff, but right. uh, But what I was going to point out, the key though is what True Blood did, which was probably I hate to say unprecedented because I didn't do any research, but they went from one point four four for the pilot in True Blood season one, one point eight two, one point eight two. Season two went up to four point seven. Well, I don't think that's surprising at all because you know the DVDs came out, and people started watching. Like, yeah, Holy cr-, you know, like that. It just the buzz got out. You know. Yeah. So, all right. Anyway, we talked a few months back that X Files creator Chris Carter's back with a new sci-fi series at Amazon Studios, and he's really got a long-range vision for this series, and we'll see how uh, realistic it is. Now, the X Files produced over two hundred episodes, and Carter's talking up his new series, The After as a potentially long-running series that'll take 99 episodes to tell the full scope of this mysterious story. Great googly moogly. Now, did you see the pilot? That's the only thing I that's available. I still haven't watched uh, it. It's yet. definitely good. You should definitely see yeah, it. Yeah, you, you, you've been telling me. I, I, I got to watch it. And you never think of it, and then we, you bring it up. I'm like, oh, yeah. All right, now, the show is going to follow a scattered group of connected strangers who got to work together in a post-apocalypse, and he's centering it around Dante's Inferno. Okay, the major point, the story is going to be told in 99 cantos, and Carter told The Hollywood Reporter he's using that as his model. Now, whether or not Amazon's going to keep the show around that long is obviously another question, but Carter said the story will be genre, a genre mashup, though he'll mine a lot of the series, quote, from the group dynamic and from the supernatural, if you will. I've always resisted the science fiction label, but there's a significant number of science fiction in this. Now, the expansive cast includes Adrian Pastar, who played Nathan Petrelli from Heroes. Who I definitely liked him. Uh, French actress Louise Monod, Sharon Lawrence, NYPD Blue, not exactly genre pedigree. Aldous Hodge, a show called Leverage. I had never heard of it. Uh, Ariel Kebble, Vampire Diaries, 90210. Jamie Kennedy, Ghost Whisperer, Andrew Howard, appeared in three episodes of copper so you may not know the name but maybe if when you see him you'll sure say hey sure. he was in copper that hey, show was, sucked yeah <laughs> um, it was Jane, a guilty pleasure yeah Jaina lee ortez and sam littlefield round out the cast and the first eight episode season of the after is set to debut in 2015 so i look i, I was a, as big a loss uh, as big an x-files nerd as there can possibly be so i'll certainly be there to watch and i might if i can fit it in yeah so we'll all right well anyway that's a busy it. schedule yeah well that's it for the news uh so we're going to do a little bit of our genre show quick takes wayne's going to start us off with falling skies and i'll go to almighty johnson's he'll come back with the leftovers and i'll finish up with defiance so falling skies dude it's awesome yeah it's so good so good um and that's just you know one of the shows that you sometimes like you don't realize until the end how awesome it is like a show ends you're like man that was a really good episode but like falling skies it's just like while it's happening i'm saying man this show is good it's just so good. Uh, so anyway um i should preface this with saying uh 
I didn't have time to write the haikus this week. So I'm sorry about that. I will have them next week, I promise. Anyway, back to Falling Skies. So we have like basically three main story threads occurring here. The first is that uh, Tom and Cochise and Weaver go to get Ben. Uh, Cochise tells them they have little tiny uh, drones. And really thinking drones like ours, they're like, oh, it's like not even the size of a fly um, that has seen uh, Ben. So, and this is actually... Now, were you under the impression that Ben was at the same place that Lexi and all of them were? I was not, no. Yeah, I don't know why, but I was totally under that impression. And then also I'm like, I think, I th- I think because in the first episode, they went from the one scene to the other, and my brain just made this leap like they're in the same place. But they totally aren't. Um, but for some reason, I thought they did. But So I, I, it, after four episodes, I finally figured that out. Um, so anyway... So those three go to re- recover Ben. The rest of the second mass stays at this Volm hideout, and he leaves Hal in charge, which is kind of like a big deal, right? Um, and like a lot of the episode is about Hal being a leader and making decisions and, you know, not just a... Because people taunt him, like, oh, you're just you're not leaving because your daddy doesn't want you to, you know, uh, to be seen as his own man. So they leave. Almost the second they leave, Pope starts causing trouble, uh, they need to go out of supply run because they got to leave because the Volm has said that there's an attack imminent. The Ashfani are going to attack. And Hal says, yeah, we were supposed to stay here. I mean, that was Tom's last instructions were don't leave. Stay at this location. Uh, so Hal says, we're not going anywhere. We're staying here. And Pope, of course, takes the truck and leaves. And finds some place that has a, a bunch of gas. And who is there? Do you recognize the girl? I didn't. No. That was uh, Mia Sorvino. Oh, who, yes, I did, actually. Yeah, I did. Right, yeah, right. Paul Sorvino's daughter. Yes. yes. Uh, pretty famous actress uh, back in the 90s, especially. Still looked great. Um, did a great job. And she's basically like the female version of Pope. Yeah. But she's hilarious. I mean, she's fun. She's, she's great. I mean, just when you thought it's too great having Pope as a character, now we have another Pope who's hot. Um, ladies might think Pope is hot, too. I don't know. But Mia Servino is hot for sure. Um, so they, uh, so anyway, they they go, they find Ben, uh, they uh, create a distraction. I can't remember how they, they get Ben. Uh, oh, and they're gonna right. They sneak in. Uh, they get Ben. They're gonna save the other kids. The kid wakes up. Uh, Tom is like, "All right, go back to sleep. We'll come back and get the rest of you." And then, like, sound of music. Right, all the little Nazi kids blowing their whistles, saying, yeah. "Over here, over here, over here." So they run out. Uh, they take Mira, Mira with them. Uh, Mira actually saves them by she you know blows her whistle, but runs the opposite direction. So they're able to get away. So before this happened, actually, this creature that's been following is really weird because Weaver's like turning around. He sees something following him. Last week, I was wondering, did it mean that their escape was too easy and the Isfeni are following them for some reason? So there is this creature definitely following them. It attacks Cochise. Um, and then runs off. Now, it as Weaver is about to leave, uh, he's being attacked by the Ashfeni. This creature comes, saves Weaver, uh, is mortally wounded in the, 
in the say at the same time and we realized that it's Jeannie, his daughter, who he's been looking for for a while now. Right, who's now some sort of hybrid. Yeah, some hybrid creature and everything. that, But still enough of her in there. And, of course, at the end, that's like the big thing. Weaver says, you know, they're trying to make these creatures out of us, but they can't erase us. They can't take us out of there. Right, so. and I guess for him it was nice that he got some closure with his daughter. Yes. Right, I mean, even though she was, you know, she died and, and, and obviously— Maybe. He, well, right, maybe, but but I mean, even for him, when is dead, dead though, right? Well, good question. But he had no idea whether she was dead exactly. or alive. Exactly. Yeah. Mean, no, as, right. Right. I mean, as a father, he always felt like she was alive. But it was also interesting just seeing how his whole personality had changed through that whole episode. You know, where you you weren't quite sure whether he was, you know, really going off the deep end or not. Yeah. Oh, well, even at first, I was not really suspicious, but slightly suspicious that he was leading this creature like you know like he somehow part of his escape was that he had cut a deal and so he you know like i i wasn't really suspecting that it was kind of in the back of my head that that might be um but then i realized when uh they asked him what's back there and he was just like i don't know i'm not sure i think something's there. i'm like oh well he's he's definitely not leading anything on you know otherwise he'd just say nothing you know he'd play it off but um, yeah and just the fact that he was suspected weaver at all made me feel a little bit of shame of myself. So I'm sorry, Weaver. If you were an actual person, I'd say sorry. Yes. But so anyway, um, we talked about how taking charge of the second mass, um, as we said, Tom tells them not to leave, but they realize there's an friendly attack coming. They have to leave. He doesn't punish Pope. And he says, this is a pretty cool line, basically like, you know, I, I, I appreciate what you did. I just don't appreciate the way you did it. Right. You know, like basically saying, okay, I understand that what you did, what you did to save us. And that's cool. But you know, there's still, you have to respect me. And, and, uh, and Pope is like, all right, okay. I'm, I'm good with that. You know, like he's, he, he, you could see there is some respect there. Yeah. I, I still, the character of Pope continues to really bother me in that, um, you know, I get where he's coming from, but you know, we've, He's been with the second mass long enough now. He's been going through all of this with the aliens and the Ashveni. And, you know, you, you just can't continually go off on your own and, and do that and, and keep everyone else safe. You know, it, you're really putting others at jeopardy when you do stuff like that. And, and uh, as much as he loathes the fact that, that Tom is a leader— at some point, you have to accept it, and and the fact that he doesn't kind of bothers me. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, I could see that, but also he's just such a compelling character, though. Oh, like, I love him, and, and you, you know, know. You, the, right, and the connection you made with Morris Mira Sorvino's character, you know, that oh, yeah, oh, I love the duality of that. Yeah, they're yeah. awesome, and, and she is going to be in a multi episode arc, so that's not the last we've seen of her. Yeah, well, you don't bring an actress on like that for just one episode, right? Like, well, you hope not. I hope not. Yeah, because she was great. I mean, she was, really was very good, and uh, you know, you, you it's one of those characters you immediately take a shine to, you know. Um, you immediately like her, and uh, the interaction between her and Pope is just fantastic. So, um, so the, the the last thing is when the second mass leaves. I, I love that. I, I hate that he explained it because I feel that anyone with at least a ninth grade education should know what the word Croatoan signifies. You would think, but um, you know. So when he said, "Well, this is you know the," and, and he honestly. 
and this is maybe what I could have done at Project X on, because it's very fascinating, that we don't know what happened to the colonists at Roanoke. Um, the guy came back, saw that they'd written Croatoa on, on a tree. Um, he went to Croatoan Island, and no one was there either. So we're just like, what happened? There's like zero evidence of really of, any, of what happened. Just they like, just kind of like like the leftovers. Maybe they just were taken. You know, who knows? But uh, so anyway, that so he leaves that message, which obviously Tom will understand. I don't know about the Esfendi. I think the Esfendi have been around Earth long enough that they might have brushed up on some you know basic history. Uh, they could access the internet, maybe still. And do a word search for Croatoan and figure it out. So I don't think he's quite as sneaky as he thinks he, he is, but we'll see. Um, last but not least, back to Lexi. And, you know, basically it's kind of the same issue. Anne reunited with Lexi. Lexi, um, she's concerned about Lexi, especially when Ben reveals that she's been talking to the Esfeni. Anne obviously reacts in a not the way that Lexi wants. Lexi's still convinced that, th- that her answer is the answer, that we need to go along with one another that is possible to coexist peacefully. And we start to think that, especially she brings this, uh, this overlord who was the guy we saw who connected the cord to Anne and he calls Anne mother, even which is weird. I, I caught that. I thought he was going to like claim to be her son somehow or something. I thought that would be really weird. Um, but, uh, so, you know, uh, Lexi goes all like, Storm and X. You haven't seen the X Men movies, right? I have not. No, but like you know, Halle Berry plays Storm, and so she kind of looks at the sky and stuff starts blowing around, and lightning crackles. So it's basically, exactly what happens with Lexi there. And uh, so, but the Esfeni uh, speaking through Ben gets her to calm down and settle down and everything. And so he doesn't get killed. They let him live. Uh, and so we kind of think at that point, okay. We don't really trust the Esfeni, but maybe this guy is really working just like Lexi to come to like this mutual accord where, where you know, everyone can live together peacefully. Uh, soon thereafter, though, he contacts, you know, the, the guy that, uh, you know, Tom had burned up uh, last episode, who apparently was not quite dead. And we in that conversation we discovered this guy is totally working he's he can control lexi and that they're playing when she reaches uh maturity she's going to become a weapon for them that will help you know bring all the humans to heal and everything so um and so that was the basically the three main arcs there yeah well you know i think we both agreed it's just been a really strong storyline this year and uh, really really all you know all four seasons so yeah, yeah, it's really, and you know, just a, a show that has really, besides the HBO shows, but really nails that ten episode, you know, format, and just so each episode is important. There's no really one offs. Everything develops a story, so it's all this part of this. I mean, really, it's still they're telling the story from season one. You know, still yeah, sure, and um, and the one thing about it, which is like kind of a bad thing, but a good thing, is just like. Like, like it's so kind of like a stressful show to watch because these people are always under the gun constantly. There's like no let up for the second mass ever in anything, you know? Yeah. And, you know, the, the interesting thing I also find about that show uh, as compared to, say, a show like Revolution, uh, I mean, these people are dirty and grimy 
and they're like that week after week. And, and it's like, and that's how it would really be. And, and you know, like you mentioned Lexi and now that, you know, that segment of, of the, uh, population is holed up at that little sanctuary and and obviously they've had a chance to bathe and have clean clothes each day and it's like whoa okay you clean up really nicely as opposed to say you know pope and ben and matt and 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 uh you oh, know, tom especially tom, he's got tom, the beard yeah. his yeah. hair is always like sticking up and everything like yep. see so, that's what when when you first told me that falling skies was a good show i should watch it my big reservation was noah wiley as an action hero, really, I, you know, I don't know if you remember that, but like I do. That was, sure. You know, I, I just couldn't, I, I was like, there's no way I'll ever be able to buy that guy as an action hero. And I have to admit, I was completely wrong. Noah Wiley is incredible as Tom Mason. He's just fantastic. And he, you know, play like, even when he's a tough guy, he's believable. And I never thought that that would happen. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I'm going to talk about, the Almighty Johnsons. Now, did you get a chance to watch it? I did. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, if you've been listening to Fadeless for any period of time, you know Wayne and I talked a lot in the past about a podcast that we listened to a lot, uh, Hexed, uh, featuring sisters Shannon and Susie. And we've said many times that a lot of the shows they even talked about, we didn't even watch, but they were just so entertaining and, and uh, fun to listen to that we listened anyway. And the almighty Johnson's was a show that they talked about most weeks now. Uh, yeah. It was a show that like I heard, like this show sounds pretty good. I, I, you know, I'd like to watch it, but of course it was completely unavailable yeah. in the United States. Yeah. Now it's a New Zealand production that's already aired in Canada on space and the UK and Australia and now airing in the U.S. on Friday nights on Sci-Fi. Now, it's only three seasons. It's already, you know, the show's over uh, three seasons. Uh, I think it's like 36 episodes, roughly. All right, so here's the premise. Axel Johnson is about to celebrate his 21st birthday when his three older brothers and cousin inform him that it's time to learn his and their true identities that they're all actually reincarnated Norse gods, and it's time for Axel to go through the ceremony to determine which god he's been reincarnated as. All right, so all the signs point to Axel becoming Odin, god of wisdom, and a bunch of other stuff, which is kind of the way they word it. All right, so ceremony features the family going out into the woods. I was pulling for Thor. Axel strips naked, (laughs) holds his sword aloft, and he gets struck by lightning. Yeah. Now, he also finds out that the guy he thought was his cousin's actually his 92-year-old grandfather, who also happens to be the family oracle. Uh, there is a catch, though. The fact that they are reincarnated gods is one thing, but their powers are limited. And oh, yeah, by the way, they can't tell anybody their true identities. All right, so in this opening episode, we're introduced, obviously, like most pilots to the different characters. The oldest brother is married uh, and we find out he's never revealed his true identity to his wife. One brother is, I don't know, what is he? He's some kind of playboy. He's the, he brings the two Victoria secret like models that are wearing right. angel outfits uh, to the 21st birthday party. Um, one brother who apparently can radiate cold, which turns out to be pretty handy when an attractive girl's not wearing a bra. And then the uh, the grandfather, uh, the, the problem, 
that he faces as an oracle is that he apparently smokes too much weed and yeah. his oracle powers have right. kind of diminished as well. So, <laughs> so we're introduced there to the Johnson family. All right. Now, Axel shares a flat with a guy and a girl who the girl obviously has a severe crush on him. Though he's, what do you think? I mean, he seems oblivious. Yeah, I think he's pretty oblivious. But he seems like oblivious to just about everything. Yeah, in general, you know, like, which is endearing. It is endearing. And and, and again, I think, you know, most of us can remember back to 21 and and maybe we weren't quite that oblivious. But but perhaps the biggest reveal is that Axel's told he needs to find Frigg odin's female equivalent marry her so that the brother's full powers will be restored all right fine on the other hand though we're introduced also to a group of female goddesses who clearly want to prevent that from happening and we assume it must have something to do with uh you know who gets the power yeah and, like trying to trying to kill Axel a little bit, right? right? That's one of the opening <laughs> scenes, right? That that she's got, a, she's trying to run him down in a car. Well, I will say the you know the pilot started a bit slow, and in fact, my wife was in the room while I was watching it, and I did remark to her at the first commercial break that it better get better in a hurry, <laughs> and it did. Yeah, uh, it, did, it, it did. Yeah, the, this, the the beginning, no doubt, was yeah. So baggy. yeah, so I mean, is it a genre show? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I guess probably in the fantasy realm more than, you know, supernatural, but uh, definitely a fun show. I mean, I, I think the dynamic that we got established between the four brothers and the grandfather is, is just awesome. The fact that, you know, the the female goddesses, they kind of have a similar dysfunctional dynamic happening, although we didn't see them as much. So, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing episode two this week. Yeah, definitely. Uh, though I might need to turn on subtitles though to watch this thing. Uh, yeah, they uh, ta. Um, <laughs> yeah, there, there are a lot of New Zealand uh, mannerisms and language and speech idiosyncrasies that that are a bit different from what we're used to. But you know, English is English. Yeah. So, yes. Another show that uh, has just really, really, really captivated me, and that is The Leftovers. No, I thought you could do. Oh, yeah, leftovers. Yeah, um, the show is. Yeah, I, I'm still in the trying to figure out like what this show kind of wants to be, but whatever it wants to be, so far it's really good. This, and we said how the second episode, or at least I like the second episode more than I like the first. I think this third episode I like better than the other two as well. Though this one just followed a single story arc, which is especially when you have like the 51, 55, I don't know how long it was run, but it's, you know, it's longer than your normal television show. Sure. And for an HBO show to follow just one story arc, that almost never happens. The only other time I think I've seen that is the, the episode of Game of Thrones that you didn't like when the big battle at the wall. And so I'm not used to this, but they just filed uh, Christopher Eccleston, who I said like two weeks ago that he was certainly underused in the pilot. He's a major actor. He's in like one scene. Are you kidding me? Right. But this was his episode. He's in the whole episode from start to finish. 
and I love how they reveal things, you know, like a little bit of time. They don't make a big deal out of it, but just all of a sudden we're getting all this information. You got to stay on your feet. You got to pay attention. So we learn, which you couldn't miss, that Matthew is in actuality a priest. I had called him a street side preacher, but he is a real life preacher. Uh, an Episcopalian priest, but though there's not a lot of people in his church, and the guy comes in and actually beats him up as he's giving a sermon, um, throwing a, a, one of his flyers at him. And, you know, again, we know his thing is trying to uncover, well, I guess we suspect it. Now we realize that what he does is he investigates these people who were taken and then shows that they weren't good people. It's like trying to prove to people that, no, this isn't, a rapture. This isn't the work of God. I don't know what it is, but these weren't good people. So we learned that Nora is his sister, and that Nora is a woman who lost her entire family. Um, we learned that his wife was seriously hurt in an accident. We learned his parents were killed in a fire when he was seven. Um, so we get all this information out there. Or maybe it's when Nora was seven. One of them was seven the time um and so we know he's he's got like a thing about this judge and we realize he blames the judge for what happened to his wife and so we assume that i mean even once he's he's taking down the uh they, they've named the street after this judge and chris rackleson gets up and, and takes the sign down and so we assume that this judge did something was driving drunk or something like that that you know he caused this accident and then only at the end do we realize that uh, the accident occurred? We, all, we actually saw this accident occur because it occurred in the very first scene of the show uh, when the mother comes out because her, ba- her, you know, the baby's lost in the backseat or the baby's disappeared. She gets out of the car screaming. As she's screaming, we hear, we see an accident in the background, and that was Matthew and his wife. And his wife is now, she's not comatose, but she can't move. It doesn't seem like she can speak or anything. Um, so basically this whole episode is Matthew trying to save his church. Uh, he goes to the bank, bank guy says someone else wants to buy it. And, uh, so unless you have the money in like two days in cash, we can't help you. And so through a series of things, like he sees these doves and he actually goes to a casino to get information about another guy he's trying to uncover. And he sees the doves on a, on a, um, roulette table. So he finally realizes he he's takes that these are signs that he needs to he actually has money that Kevin's father had buried money for Matthew. Matthew takes the money and at first I'm like why doesn't he just take that money? Like, oh, it's not enough. It's $20,000. Takes the casino, just puts it on red, you know, where you double your money if you win and he wins well like three times, four times. Anyway, he gets he gets up to $160,000. Uh, he turns it into um, so he cashes out, which he must have been freaking insane, though I know he has to do it. He should have gotten someone to walk out with him, because what do you think is going to happen? You think no one knows? You just won $160,000, especially the sketchy guy whose girlfriend bet against you, right, who tried to jinx you? Yeah, that guy, right? And so he's sitting in his car, and I'm just thinking, just drive, man. Just put on the gas and get the hell out of there. And of course he does it. And the more he waits, I'm, okay, that guy's definitely gonna come back. And sure enough, the guy does, uh, <clears throat> threatens to, uh, to, to do him harm unless he hands over the money. Matthew hands over the money as the guys walk away. Matthew then tackles him and then slams his head into the concrete, potentially killing him. We don't know what happened to the guy. He might be dead. Uh, Matthew takes the money back, uh, drives into town, sees, 
a uh, GR being harassed, people throwing stuff at him, goes to help, gets hit in the head with a rock himself by the people passing by in the car, um, wakes up in the hospital, immediately throws on his clothes, uh, runs back to his car, grabs the money, runs to the bank, only to discover he's been out for like three days now, and the bank uh, long ago uh, sold his church. So he goes back to the church, and they say they... And the minute they say they, we know who bought the church. He goes back to the church, of course. It's the guilty remnant, and they're out. he sees them outside, and they're already painting the whole outside of the church white. So it's this fantastic story with the crushing, ironic ending there that was just, uh, you know, he, everything he does, it was all for naught. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, all of these episodes have Damon Lindelof written all over them, and, and he has written or or co-written each of the first five episodes uh you know which you, the one you were talking about uh, two boats and a helicopter is obviously episode number three uh, and i just wonder how many fans of the leftovers have not seen lost and 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 i would certainly urge you if you really like the leftovers watch lost obviously it's you know it's a big commitment six seasons uh over a hundred episodes but you know, if you like this storytelling, it's worth it. Yeah, and, and just like you, you mentioned that whole that that scene that we saw in the pilot. You know, where the mother comes back and, and discovers her baby's missing. Uh, you know, in the parking lot of the grocery store, and then like you tell tonight. You know, now we see uh, about the accident in the background. I mean, that's that's Damon Lindelof. So. Um, you know, it's funny. Again, uh, I've been reading a little bit just tangentially online, and there are a lot of critics that that are are not quite as enthusiastic about the leftovers as I think I am. So, well, he's got to hate. Yeah, you know? I guess. So. Um, yeah, it's just it's a really good show. It's different. It's it's you know you're right. It is like Lost, and, and until you said that. I, I would ne- not necessarily been able to articulate what I really liked about the leftovers. Um, I think you nailed it. It's really got that, that, uh, you know, I just, I love how just like he did in Lost, how Damon Lindelof tells a story, how he reveals things, he, how he treats his audience like they're intelligent. Right. Right. And, you know? and, and you take a scene and the first time you see the scene, you're, looking at just one aspect of the scene and then he brings it back later and another layer is revealed. So yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen lost, which I suspect most of our listeners probably have, but sure. uh, All right. Now, finally, I'm going to talk a little bit about sci-fi series defiance that aired episode four beasts of burden on July 10th, 2014. And, uh, wanna be um, a beast of burden. See if I hadn't written down the title. Yeah, you'll have to think about that next time. All right, well, one of the big storylines in this episode was the Castathan connection and uh, Daytax out of prison, reclaiming his stature. But Stama, his wife, has begun to see her life through a different lens, and she likes what she had while he was in prison. Um, You know, we find that uh, he goes to look at Daytax. uh, I'm sorry, he goes to look at Alex uh, record a little setup. And on the one hand, he's pretty impressed what his son has done. And then he just decides that, you know, well, this will make a good front for my illegal corporation. And when Alec doesn't 
Yeah, I mean, he doesn't openly defy his father, but you know, next thing you know, his father's got his hand in this, I guess, some sort of a record pressing machine that you know it's certainly vice-like, and he crushes his hand, burns it, and uh, it's clear that Daytac has learned absolutely nothing. Now, his wife tells him profits are up twenty percent since she's been in charge, and that they should be partners; that she's earned that right. And it's like you almost want to go back to the the Three Stooges. Slowly I turn, you know, and you would just wait for him to turn. And obviously he's just seething. Tells her, yeah, I'm sure you'd like that and just walks away. Well, she's not going to take this all lightly. She pays some E-Rep soldiers to humiliate Daytac in public, assuming he'll fight back and get put back in prison. But he doesn't. In fact, they spit in his face, if I recall correctly. Um and, you know, he just takes it and, you know, moves on. Well, we later, uh, you know, see him assemble everybody into his tent. And basically, he says, okay, you know what? I can't kill everybody that betrayed me while I was in prison, but I'll, I'll kill one. One will pay the sins of everybody else. Alec, pick somebody. Did you see it? No, I didn't. That's hardcore. Alec picks himself. Oh, yeah. touche. Yes. Okay. His father says, okay, I'm impressed, and then cuts somebody else's throat. Um, and we're like, okay. Um, Alec and Stama, though, watch towards the end of the episode as Daytac is being severely beaten in the streets. I mean, it's really horrifying. She, in fact, tells Alec to not look away. He's beaten and then thrown out into the streets, barely alive. Stama tells him, you should have made me a partner. And that's how the episode ends, leaving him bleeding in the dirt. So, yeah, but how are you going to leave him alive, Stama? Well, I, you know. You know, like, you think he's going to let that pass? You think just because he got beaten up a little bit that he's, you know, he's going to... No oh, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've not even watched it. I know that's a big mistake. Yeah. Now, uh, one of the other storylines, and this is one of the, the scenes at the beginning, a military-style convoy's heading down the road. Pottinger's on board, and he's being videotaped by Berlin, and it's you know it looks like he's doing one of these little self-promotional videos that, that uh, I guess he'll put out there, making him seem much better than he uh, actually is. In fact, he stops her and asks if she's filming his good side. And, you know, she plays this little game when all of a sudden they're set on by snipers, lead vehicle crashes. Uh, Pottinger tells her to get down. I think she gets shot. Um, Everybody else is shot. Pickup truck pulls up. Hijackers approach. Uh, They're all wearing hockey masks and things like that. So the two of them are cowering in the the back of the truck, and, and she wants to get up and fight. He tells her, no, nah, they just want the equipment. They don't want us. And, and to a certain extent, they're correct. But, uh, you know, th- they do get away. However, she thinks she filmed one of the bandits while his mask came off. But the only catch is that uh, the bandit at least had the foresight to stomp on her video camera. So then we see her later in the episode trying to recover that video footage, which Kind of does. All right. Now, uh, we see Nolan and Amanda in bed again, getting busy, which uh, I think is- Brown chicken bow cow. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, you know, I like those 
those characters, you know, it, it's, uh, again, it's not a genre show. I know you don't watch it. You know, uh, the masters of sex. I mean, the two characters, two main characters, Virginia Johnson and William masters. I mean, that, that, you know, they've, they're having that sexual relationship, but it's really more just kind of almost like a little byproduct of, of their work, uh, jo- you know, their work yeah. day. Well, I, I don't want to make it sound like I, I don't watch it by choice. I just, I don't get showtime. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. Or whatever it's on. All right, so uh, Nolan goes to see Pottinger and asks if uh, he can describe the masks the bandits wore. And, and I kind of get the impression that, that he did recognize one of the masks. Um, Nolan tries to throw him off the track. You know, our ah, Raiders steal. You're not going to get that stuff back. Just forget about it. Amanda says they're going to need an army to get that stuff back and tells Pottinger, ah, just keep an eye on the black market if you want to get your stuff back. But but you can you get the sense that they're really just trying to throw Pottinger off the trail of somebody that they perhaps suspect or at that point maybe even know. Uh, he tells Nolan to get going. Berlin tells Tommy she thinks she got a shot of one of the leader's face when the mask slipped and she's going to do what she can to recover the footage. Now, the other interesting thing has to do with that little Tommy, Arissa, and Berlin uh, triangle, if you will. And Tommy, of course, makes the mistake of calling her Jessica. No, call me Berlin. So I think right away, when your girlfriend doesn't want you to use her first name, it's generally not a good sign. Could indicate problems in the relationship. Yeah. And and there's clearly tension whenever the three of them are, are in close proximity. And, you know, my guess is that Tommy and Arissa are going to get back together. And and uh, uh, hopefully, though, Berlin's going to remain as a cast member. I really like her character. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. I think she's one of these that's going to uh, certainly not unlike uh, Continuum, you know, with, with Kira Cameron, where she, you know, she starts thinking she's one of the good guys and then realizes uh, as time passes that, I'm really fighting for the wrong side. I can really see that happening with Berlin's character. So we'll see how Dave, that would goes. You, would you say that she takes your breath away? Uh, I would. Yeah. Even on the Metro, maybe. Yeah. Okay. I don't get it. <laughs> uh, 80s music group, Berlin. Oh, okay. The love song from Top Gun. Okay. Ugh. Take my breath away, and then they, their other big popular song was the Metro. The only thing Top Gun on the Metro. Okay, well, the only to... thing Top Gun's good for is demonstrating a uh, sound system, dude. You need to stop talking right now, buddy. All right, all right I will. You're, 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 you're treading dangerous waters here. All right, all right, and then finally, uh, you know, we, we we've got the fact that this E-Rep convoy has been hit, all this equipment stolen. And Nolan suspects Rafe may be involved and tells him that Berlin caught one of the Raiders on film and it's just a matter of time. So if you know anything, come clean now before it's too late. And, you know, is Joseph his son-in-law or is it his son? His son. Okay, right. Uh, so, so that's who, uh, right, because he's only got the one daughter. You know, it turns out that it's Joseph. Rafe tells Nolan to go easy on him. Nolan knocks him down. And basically what ends up happening is Rafe comes up and tells him, reminds Nolan, I saved Arissa. You owe me one. And Nolan takes the handcuffs off of Joseph and tells him just to get the hell out of there. Just get your stuff. Go. Don't come back. 
and you know we'll we'll see if that's if that holds true that that's kind of what uh that's kind of what we see at the end then lastly tommy comes in tells them berlin has been taken and joseph's got her like one of these you know terrorist things he's got her up against i don't know is it a flag or something and making a video it's and of course she's like i'm not gonna say all this crap tommy demands to know if rafe is behind it he says no and we'll see if he gets away for real or not but uh I'm really enjoying Defiance this season. Uh, you know, I like where they're taking the story. I, I, I like, um, you know, the E-Rep in charge. And it's kind of, you know, it's sort of like now the the rebellion. It's like a rebellion within a rebellion. So, you know, we'll see if they can keep up the the strong writing. Uh, hopefully they can. They've only got to do it for, what, 13 episodes. Yeah. So That's doable. Yep. All right. Well, that's our quick take genre show for this episode we're going to take a look at episode 11 of birds of prey entitled reunion and it aired on january 8th 2002 and what i didn't realize last week is that over the christmas holidays they must have found out that the show had been canceled and what they did was they burned off the last four episodes that they had so that they actually aired episodes 10 and 11 on the same night january 8th uh-huh. And then they ran episodes 12 and 13 on January 19th. And then that was it. So. Right. All right. So. Ignomin- ig- ignominious exit. Yeah. For a fine show. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it just keeps getting better. I mean, I think we've both agreed that the last few episodes have really been strong. And we keep saying that I think this might be my favorite. I think this might be. Uh, this was really a good episode, and and the, the it was fast paced. Uh, yeah, you know, definitely. You know, it it took us. Uh, it provided some movement in some storylines, especially the one with uh, Reese and Helena that we've been talking about for a while. But uh, it starts off the story's kind of set up around a five year high school reunion for New Gotham High, and you know a lot of the revelers are in. Helena's bar drinking the night before. And, and you know, that scene where they're, they're, they've, they're outside and they're really drunk and they're singing and all that's kind of how I envision your lacrosse parties in college. Well, yeah, well, no, we just, they, I don't know. Maybe I don't really remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, the other uh, catch is it turns out to be Helena's class. And we find out that she and Gibson were classmates. Yeah, yeah, that was like I'm like really. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Now, because I, you think some of their chit chat would be more along the lines of you know like from before, right? Now, kind of like, now I will say one thing that that for a five year reunion, they they all looked awfully old to be uh, just twenty yeah. twenty three, but that's yeah, okay. and, and and they all had like you know suits. And stuff. Yeah, I don't think I was wearing a suit at 23, that's for sure. Yeah, Um, Yeah, I'm sure like some people, but like a lot of the guys, like, you know, I mean, I remember our fifth year reunion was, uh, you know, basically at a state park under pavilion with like burgers and hot dogs and a keg of beer. Yeah, sure. And people were like, you know, so this is, and again, why are they all going to the same bar like three nights in a row? Like it seems like the whole like I thought that that was where the reunion was because they kept but they kept saying, "Oh, well, when the reunion comes, I'm like, wait, this isn't how many? 
Yeah. Yeah. It was just. Now, did we get a last name for Gibson? Is his last name Kafka? Uh, I, I didn't catch I it. She maybe. says later. All right. Now, anyway, the other catch is that he wants her to go as his date. Because I always wanted to go out with a blonde. <laughs> she looks at him and it's like, oh, he wants her to wear a wig. It's like, no, <laughs> not going to happen, Gibson. But uh, all right. Now, the other interesting thing a lot, you know, with this setup is that apparently nobody remembers Helena, you know, even though several of her classmates come face to face with her when, you know, they buy drinks at the bar at which she works. The other interesting thing that, that uh, Dinah especially finds amusing is that Helena was apparently very into the high school scene. Uh, and she asks her what happened as well. My mother was murdered. Found out my father was Batman, and New Gotham was overrun by supervillains. But out, outside of that, um, oh, and she was captain of the Pep Squad. Yeah, yeah. So you know, basically, she was kind of like a uh, like like a normal. Yeah, Gibson Kafka. I was just looking at IMDb. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was like a normal, you know, high school kid, and then you know, her mother died, and that kind of like, as we'd expect, would throw her world into a uh, kind of a, a world yeah so uh yeah and then kind of lastly you know in, in terms of just kind of the episode setup while she's kind of trying to figure out what to do about her relationship with reese she runs into the guy that she had the huge crush on in high school uh, did i mention she was captain of the pep squad um you did and then she runs into the little bald guy cam newton or cam i don't know what's his name cam something uh, Cam. Yeah. Yeah. But, just, uh, they just keep calling Cam. All right. Now, so. uh, Cam Newton. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so he's a chameleon. Now, I, I guess the question is, is he meta or did he create something, you know, uh, a la, what's it, what was the, the guy in, in Lost Girl that, that, uh, uh, wanted to be Faye? Remember the doctor, uh, you know, the, yeah. you know, I mean, so is it something right. like that, or, or was this guy truly meta? Because if if that's the case, then you know where were his powers in high school? You know, we get the idea that that Dinah, for instance, had her powers when she was a teenager. She just didn't realize what they what, what was happening to her. So we don't really get the answer to that question. Right. I I yes. I, I think we just assume that he's meta. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, you know, we assume then that also that the powers didn't develop till right, and, and I guess we're led to believe that this whole thing on his part is that he's had a crush on her for five years, and now he's trying to prove his love to her. And I, you know, she says, and I'm paraphrasing, it's like, okay, dude. So the fact that you're killing all these people, you think is going to impress me? Okay, yeah. now. Right. Um, definitely going about in extreme stalker mode, which, you know, obviously people don't appreciate being stalked, but you can never convince the stalker of that, right? Because they always think that this is exactly what's going to impress them. Yep. So, you know, the crime of the week, it's, you know, these guys are, are dying and the connection is that they're all in town for the reunion. They were all at the bar. They all hit on Helena. And, you know, in one sense, this crime of the week is really just a vehicle for exploration of the Huntress and Reese relationship, which look, I, I mean, 
it's it's long overdue, but I think they did it well. So, you know, the shadowy figure snapping the necks of men in town. Huntress tells Reese she doesn't know the Dark Horse Bar. So, you know, early on the lies continue. So, sure. so anything that that we think that's going to show some progress in, in a a relationship, um, she's certainly not willing to do it as the episode begins. He tells her he's going to head over there tonight if she wants to join. Is this a date? Yeah, a, this, a, this is kind of like a date. Yeah, yeah. a date. Yeah. And yeah. seems like it. And Only it, problem. Right. And, and that, is, is she works there. Right. And so her, you know, at first I'm thinking like, oh, she's begging off so she can go with him. But no, oh, she's, begging, she's off. begging off. So she's not there. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, and as she tells Dinah, somebody's getting awfully close to secret identity land. And they're all like, yeah. what the hell are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah. Like Dinah's like, you'll have a secret identity. You don't wear glasses. You don't wear a mask. I like the first thing she said was glasses. Yeah. Like that's, that's always like, yeah, the, the key to a, uh, a secret identity is by putting on glasses. Well, who yeah. besides Clark Kent, is there somebody I'm forgetting? I mean, obviously he's a pretty big. And I think, Peter Parker on and off, you know, again, Spider-Man is, you know, for so many years, but I think Peter Parker on and off would wear glasses. Um, though, of course, he wears a mask as Spider-Man, so who cares, yeah. right? So. Um, All right. Now, you know, we've talked about the trust issue that, that she has, and, you know, a lot of what gets explored in this episode is that trust issue revolving around Huntress's alter identity of Helena Kyle and whether or not she should reveal it. To Reese, and you know, of course, it's pointed out that, like we said, since she doesn't wear a mask, your identity is kind of not a secret. And then, uh, but but she makes sense. She says, "I don't wear a mask for combat purposes." You know, yeah, it itches, right? And uh, yeah, we're not buying it. And yeah, yeah, and neither but is yeah. Alfred. And I forget exactly what he said. I didn't write down his line. Uh, and then she comes back. It's like, how did you do that? You like insulted me and you know all in the same sentence so oh yeah right she's like you supported me and undercut me yeah. all at the same yeah. time yeah so uh because you know, like she says uh you know it's basically like alfred don't i you know I, I do have a secret identity or something like that and he was like well uh, you kind of yeah. don't really yeah well and one of the things that's been running throughout the whole show is that idea of the the conflict between li- trying to lead a normal life, you know, having relationships and doing the job that they all do as superhero vigilantes at night. And and you know, Barbara points out that there's no reason a superhero can't trust his or her secret with someone they trust. And and you know, Alfred points out, well, you know, Master Bruce trusted me. Of course, uh, it may have had something to do with the Batcave needing tidying up or whatever. Right. But, uh, you know, we understood his point. That- yeah. And the, the thing is, is that, you know, really, Barbara couldn't. I mean, I, I, I agree that, yes, okay, you find someone uh, that you trust and you can tell them and everything. But the corollary to that is the idea of having a normal life at all is just out the window, like which of them is able to, you know, successfully lead a normal life. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit about Barbara and, and her storyline in a few minutes. And that, and there's really, I think an interesting irony that comes up in, in that storyline. Um, 
All right, so we learned that that you know it's the klutzy, bald-headed guy that supposedly founded a Fortune 500 company, yet still can't get respect. He's got the crush on. on well, see, Helena. here's what I have to say. Okay. And if there's any high school kids out there, listen to me and listen well. If you see a nerdy kid in your class, you should go up to him and befriend him, be his pal, be his buddy, because you know what, that nerdy kid is going to be. It might not be five years, but 10 years, however many t- years it takes, that nerdy kid is going to be cool and probably rich. And you're going to be like, dang, you know, all I did was pick on that kid. And you're going to say, you're going to regret it. You're going to say, not that I could have maybe taken advantage of this, but I wish now that he's all cool and rich and like has a hot wife, like I wish I hadn't picked on him so much. So just don't do it. Remember, nerds are your future bosses and leaders and rich dudes. Kids? Listen, Peace out. Listen to Uncle Wayne. Yeah. All right. Now, um, the other, I, I, I loved this aspect of the storyline, you know, is that obviously Helena is coming into contact with Reese and she basically runs away. Barbara points out that fact, you know, revealing herself is going to mean progressing their relationship but she keeps running away from it, which then takes us back to her famous line, running away, not my style. Really? Right. Really? Okay. It's not physically running away. It's just emotional. Right. And that's, and again, the irony about the danger, you know, the, the physical danger doesn't phase her a bit. It, it's, right. it's that, that emotional danger that, you know, that putting yourself out there, you know, because you might get hurt and, you know, I, I guess it's easy to say she still hasn't gotten over the death of her mother. And, and I, I get, we're not really clear why she hates her father so much, are we? Well, no, they, they did talk about it uh, in the pilot, I believe. And it's basically like she has this kind of complex kind of attitude towards him in that she knows it's not his fault that he wasn't involved in her life yet she's still a little pissed you know cuz he didn't even know about it right 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 and then and then all of a sudden he did and he wanted to try i can't remember if he tried to get involved whatever but she, you know, basically she's just like you know i don't know it's, it's like she realizes he didn't really do anything wrong in and of itself but that you know if you Bottom line is he wasn't there for her when she was a child and everything. So okay, uh, or she just says daddy issues. I have daddy yeah, issues. Yeah, right? right, right. And and I, we don't know. I mean, she probably blames him in part for her mother's death. Could yes, that might have been part yeah. of it too. All right, we'd have to go back to the pilot. Right, maybe if we watch the unaired pilot, we'll you know. But rem- I do, I do like it when uh, I guess she's talking about being a bartender, and it's you know, oh, it's not about the money, and then well. You know, well, you're worth millions, and and Alfred goes uh, billions, uh, but I don't want his money. And and then Dinah's like, well, could you buy your like adopted sister a new car? Would yeah. you know? Would that be okay? All right, but here's the aspect of the story that I'm sorry, this just not does not make sense. All right, so Helena and Gibson go to the reunion, yes, to try to get someone to hit on her, right. Because that seems to be the profile yes. for the victims. Correct. So why is she dressed the way she's dressed? Okay, look, I'm not saying Helena Kyle slash Huntress should go in in this slinky red dress a la 
six from Battlestar Galactica. That's not her, but black, come on, little black dress. I mean, I just, <laughs> I, I was expecting something a little, a little more upscale, but uh, she still looked great as she always well, does. She, you know, had to be prepared for combat as well. Ah, uh, okay. Good point. I can't remember. What was she wearing? She was wearing what she'd been wearing throughout the whole episode, I think. Okay, you're right. Yeah, just normal clothes, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So. Well, and also, and back to what we said before, this is a five-year reunion. Like, five-year like five reunion is not supposed, like, not really a big deal, right? Like, everyone's still out of college, basically. Everyone's, right. It's hardly been that long since you don't have any kids to talk about for the most part. Right. Heck, these days, nobody graduates in four years anymore, so... Right, for the most, exactly. Heck, half of them are probably still in college. Yeah, so it was basically almost a little different than a college party, and so, but they're all dressed up. Like you said, obviously the actors are too old. Um, they're all dressed in suits. Uh, it just was kind of like out of place. Yeah. Unless you know, maybe New Gotham High was like this kind of like Beverly Hills right. type. I mean, high school I mean, or I get the I get the idea that the true Helena Kyle could care less what people think about her right i I get that but my my point is just that and maybe this is just because i would have liked to have seen her is that you're trying to get somebody to hit on you wear something that will ensure that but i guess on the other hand you could argue hey she's so beautiful she doesn't need it true and as i said before she's you know needs to be prepared for having to to act, you know, yes. to get in the fight. So. Right. Now, the other cool yeah. thing, I, I, I keep forgetting, I guess their reunion, <laughs> the reunion must be at the school. Yes. Right, because Barbara's obviously upstairs. Her uh, She's moved the control center to her classroom. Right. So, All right, well, anyway. so Which is cra- obviously getting crazy, right? I mean, not the control center so much as having, like, the reunion at school. Like, these people are drinking and everything. Yeah, well, come on. It's New Gotham City, I guess. Yeah, yeah. They're hip. All right. Well, anyway, uh, she runs into Jack Barrett, who apparently was not only her crush in high school, but apparently every girl. Yes. Uh, laments the fact. Oh, he did have that little, you know, he had that little cleft chin. And yeah, but he didn't remember her name. Dimples. You know, but uh, eventually he asks her out for a drink. And and we think she's going to go, and then of course, I well, think, she did say yeah, right? And, oh, oh wait, no, no, no just, wait, hold on, let, me, let me find. Well, it. I think because, I think Barbara said something in her earpiece that precluded her going. I think she was ready to go. I don't remember if she said yes or not, but well, you know, he said, "What's wrong? Is there someone else?" And she says, "No." And I was like, "Ooh, yeah, right." Because she's just completely denying the existence of Jesse, right? You know? Right. So, well, but I think what, what precipitated it, though, was Barbara talking in her earpiece. But, but yeah, like she says, no, there's nobody. And we're like, oh, okay. Um, and then she tells him, now's not a good time. And he's like, well, you know, could there ever be a good time? And she says, yeah, maybe down the road. And I, I think whether or not, because at this point, obviously, we're thinking like, well, wait a minute. We thought she liked Jesse. And yeah. regardless of who she likes or who she, I mean, it's like that exterior is coming down. Right. Right. And she's letting that wall down and she's starting to let some, some people in and, you know, baby steps. Sure. All right. All right. So but, go ahead. So you know, at this point though, also, all right. And I try not to nitpick, but I just can't help it. 
So I'm thinking, just in the past two nights, two classmates have died. Like, would that not kind of dominate the reunion? <laughs> the fact that you know two of their classmates just died in the last two nights? That would be, you know? Yeah, good point. And, and like, it's just the one, like, really super drunk guy who's just like, ah, oh, man, he's such a good, you know, like, who's... Right even talking about it yeah true good point well all right well yeah i got another nitpick coming up so uh although okay. although i think yours is probably a little bit stronger um all right so so we see reese is in the bar questioning people and, and again it's one of those situations where we're we're just waiting for them to come into contact with each other uh, you know she managed to duck out before uh when's he gonna see helena you know dinah's at the bar running back up and she's supposed to keep an eye on Jack. So then there's that funny scene when, well, he's going in the men's room. Barbara's like, well, follow him in the men's room. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we don't know what she said. We don't know what transpired in the men's room, but, uh, uh, you know, he came out and it apparently was no big deal now. Okay. Here's actually, I got a couple nitpicks. Okay. So Reese gets hold of the yearbook. Right. Her photo's not in. Now, it. As as you know, I, I was I was I was leaving this one up to you because you know, like, because you did yearbook. I for did a while, yearbook right? for twenty years, <laughs> and I guarantee you, the captain of the cheerleading squad, the pep squad, the her picture's going to be in the yearbook. Trust me. All right, but yeah, that's okay. Somewhere. Look in look in the index, right? Right. All right. So uh, well, okay, that's okay. Oh, did you notice that Helena got her first kiss of the series? Uh oh yeah, when Cam kissed her. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, was, it was yeah, it was it was quick. Yeah, it's easy to miss, but yeah. Yep. Uh, I think he grabbed her ass earlier in the episode, right? He he, he slapped her okay. on it, and she's like, "Hey," because she thinks Gibson did it, and she's like, uh, "Especially down in the bathing suit parts, right?" Yeah. <laughs> I never heard it referred to that way. I haven't either, but that was funny. Yeah, it was. All right, so. Uh, Anyway, so Barbara comes up with another one of her sciency gizmos to save the day. Uh, makes Cam, I, I, I guess, visible, right? It says so that his right. his uh, chameleon-like properties are are null. Uh, and what I'm very glad to know, and I, I'm sure you'll go back to school in August, glad to know as well, is that if you shut your classroom door noxious chemicals cannot penetrate yeah that was awesome yeah <laughs> right i'm like really yeah now that right, that's 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 a big yes. because that was just crazy and like they just say outside like oh good shut the door all right door shut <laughs> no way these chemicals will get past this door yep and, and airtight and just to make sure let's stand by the door yeah okay but what i did really like though was uh cam's death scene which i uh, think was a little nod to the wizard of oz wicked witch death sure. scene yeah, yeah. Uh, which was pretty cool and and uh, they did it with with you know some amount of subtlety um and then you know that 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 final you know i think there's someone in there who would love helena kyle bartender extraordinaire says barbara okay who are you talking about, Who, Barbara? Yeah, exactly. Which, there, there's a couple potential people you could, or p people you could potentially be talking about. There. Right, and and you know we're wondering. She goes and starts talking to Jack, and we're like, oh, come on, really? And then she says, well, there is kind of someone else in my life, and we're like, yes, yeah. all right. Um, and and obviously she reveals herself. 
And I just really like the way they did. You know, I, I as big a shipper as I am, I'm glad they didn't kiss. I'm glad they didn't. It's almost just like, all right, that's cool. And it said that line, you know, for some reason, when you say nice work, it means something yeah, to you. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was actually a good line. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I'm not a shipper by any stretch of the imagination, but I like that line. Yeah. And, and, and again, the two, they, they're always physically close. And, and it's usually her doing, you know, where she gets right up next to him. Um, and, and there was that. So, you know, we'll see. Now, well, she lets him put the name tag on, yeah, right? Yeah, she does. Remember, Gibson tried that yeah. move and she was like, no way, buddy. Yeah, yeah. All right, now, we didn't see a lot of Barbara. I mean, we saw a lot of Barbara, but within the context of the uh, the crime and the reunion. But the relationship with Wade got explored a little bit, and we see her out to dinner with him and his parents, and she overhears his parents refer to the fact that she's wheelchair-bound, the mother says, well, she isn't quite normal. What kind of life can you expect to have with somebody like that? And the obvious irony is that her crime fighting would be more of an issue than the wheelchair. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, I didn't know whether she just made it up, but she has like some kind of online gourmet thing going on. I think we heard that once before. Yeah. Oh, have we? Yeah. Um, okay. and, 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 and I guess you know, that touch of normalcy, you know, it's like, it's probably something, right. you know, oh, plus you need a, a cover, right? Right. Right. For the, you know, millions of dollars of computer equipment you have. Right. So, uh, I, I don't think Wade really knows what caused her to basically give him the brush off, but you know, he finds her in the, in the marketplace the next but day. He didn't exactly stand up for her though, did he? No. And that's what, you know, so he brings flowers and, and, and my point is, you know, He's going to have to fight for her, and I don't think he's going to. I don't yeah. think he's got it. I don't think he's a strong enough individual. I don't, you know, I don't want to. Or he's evil. Yeah, I know you've said that, and you've got. I still to, don't trust him. Yeah, and and you may uh, you may run no. out of time I know. to have your point. <laughs> I've only got two more episodes. Come on, Wade, make your move. Yeah, um, <laughs> but she does get the famous line that it seems like all high profile female genre actresses employ at one point or another i know it's coming it's complicated yes <laughs> um and then um you know in, in the back of her mind has to be the fact that she'll either have to reveal what it is they do or lead a life of lies and i just don't see her going down that path of leading a life of lies and i think you know that that on the one hand overhearing his parents make that comment having her him not really fight for her it, it, it probably makes it easier for her because I, I think she realizes that he's not somebody that that she's going to be able to trust with what it is they do yeah yeah i i, I agree with that absolutely so and He's just so I, I'm actually maybe backing off a little bit on the he's evil theory, um, or I you know, and, and I was actually because it's it's funny you mentioned how we're running out of time, and 
I was thinking last night because every time I see Wade, of course, I I, I review my suspicions of him. And they backed off a little bit here because he didn't do anything that I thought was especially sneaky or, or ingratiating. That's the thing. It seemed like he was very ingratiating. That made me suspect him and everything. He didn't do any of that stuff. Though, as I said, he didn't stand up for her when her, you know, the parents were blatantly rude. She just said, "Ma, that that's ridiculous. You are that that's you're you're rude. You're ignorant. You, you know, you should apologize to me and probably to Barbara." Who's not here, but you know, just I mean, like he doesn't, but he doesn't say anything. No, just like, oh, okay, well, I'll just take you, just completely insulted my girlfriend right to my face. Hey, no problem, I'll let it go, I'll let it pass. Um, but so what I thought was that, you know, I think still think ultimately that he would somehow betray or turn out to be a bad guy or something like that, but it might not happen until like season two or something like that. Of course we don't have that now. So will they pull that off the next two episodes? I I agree. I think I'm running out of time. I think ultimately had this show been let go or had been able to continue, um, he would have, he would have proved me right. But as it is, I don't think it's going to happen. No, I don't think so either. And, and the shame because, you know, there, there does seem to be, uh, I guess moves afoot to resurrect, shows that were killed before their time whether it's something like firefly and you know now that um dude community right but and did you see that i i didn't community is uh gonna get another season okay. on yahoo okay and, and again now that you've got you know amazon you've got uh yep netflix, netflix back. right so that but, you know most of the universe was demanding was yeah right but you know what i think would preclude arrested development sorry but what would i think preclude birds of prey from being resurrected is of course arrow yeah and now how cool would that be bring to bring them together a little bit ashley scott uh scott back yeah yeah so uh i don't think uh uh, rachel scarson is otherwise employed so yeah i've got two words for you Roger Cross. Yeah, true. So, uh, you know, so we'll see. Um, all right. Anyway, anything else uh, you want to throw out there no. about that episode? Nope. I, except I would just like to say that in my notes, when uh, Cam was killing people off at first, I called him Invisiboy, which I thought was a good name. I like it. Nice. <laughs> uh, also, and like, okay, so here's like why, one reason I think maybe this show might have not been quite so popular is that things like the reveal that cam was the bad guy was no reveal whatsoever. Like we knew it way early. If, if nothing else, after he killed the guy with the, the black hair, uh, when we actually see him, he's like in a cloak and he speaks in like a kind of a hoarse voice, but I'm like, that's totally cam. Like, and plus, he's the, like basically there was only two suspects from the start, right? It was either Jack or Cam, and and as soon as that one dude gets killed, we know well we know it's Cam, and so there's no suspense. But they yet they continue with the uh, with the procedural, which we've already we've already figured out who the bad guy is. The, the, at that point, the procedural is pointless, right? Yeah, except I think it was that vehicle for Helena to you know let that let that wall down and, and, you know, so whether she was going to end up with Jack or whether she was going to, you know, take that next step with Reese and, but yeah. So, but like you said, as an actual procedural, it was, you know, pretty, yeah. Pretty, pretty obvious. Once again, 
my theory that New Gotham City is actually one square block is once again supported by the fact that the entire class seems to be hanging out at the Dark Horse all three nights over the course of the show. Um, when it's like, are there no other bars in town? Like everyone's going to the same bar, the same guys coming back to the same place every night. So yeah, good point. So. All right. Well, two quick things that uh, before we close out that that uh, I forgot to put in the news. Uh, one is that, uh, and they both are Twitter related. Simon Barry, uh, the creator of Continuum, uh, tweeted out that it appears that the renewal announcement is going to come in August, and he's suffering along with the rest of us. So, I, I, you know, it, it almost Probably more so. I it, would think. it almost boggles my mind that they would hold hold him out like this. You know that that I don't. I just don't get it. I, I what they have well, they have to know what they're going to do. Uh, I, yeah, obviously, and why they're doing that, you don't know. But when you think, it's like the network has you know your proverbial nuts in their hand, right? Yeah. Like, what's he going to do? Like, yep. it's going to say, "Listen, you know, make an announcement now. I'm going to go to NBC." Well, Space or owns, you know, or not uh, Showcase owns all the, you know, all probably all the rights and everything to the show. So it's like, what are you going to do? Yep. Except for wait for the network to tell you whether. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's it's silly. Yeah. Now the other, um, Joss Whedon who uh, obviously a lot of our Lost Girl fans were Buffy the Vampire Slayer fans. Uh, I don't think either of us watched anything other than maybe the pilot. I've seen the pilot. I have not seen one episode of Buffy ever. Okay. But I heard it's very good. Yeah, and uh, our immediate supervisor is a huge fan, by the way. You probably knew that. Yes, I did know that. Um, But apparently, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer fans have been clamoring for you know more episodes now to be fair they have been getting regular comic episodes since the show ended but apparently uh, i don't know if somebody a fan came up to him when he was out at dinner or whatever and you know made some kind of comment oh you know we would really love for you to give us more buffy so he got his napkin got a pen and wrote out an episode and I tweeted, I tweeted it out. There's, he, he then uh, tweeted out the picture of, and I'm making finger quotes, the script for the next installment of Buffy. So you want to take right. a look at that. that that's definitely uh, that's cool. a lot of fun. So, Well, you know, I mean, like Veronica Mars got a movie, you know, and everything. Uh, like I said, Community, uh, NBC killed it. But at the last minute, Yahoo picked it up for a sixth season. Yeah, um, you know a lot of these these shows. There's there's always a second life somewhere uh, if you have an audience, and these shows have audiences, and that's the thing. That's that's what the online community knows. The networks don't know. Yeah, the, there there are people who are watching these shows. They might not be watching the traditional way that you measure a show's success by, but there's people watching these shows. All right. Well, we're glad you could join us tonight. And if you'd like to send us some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Emails to fatalistpodcast at gmail.com or voicemails via SpeakPipe, which you can access through the Fatalist website. But we will be back next week to discuss episode 12 of Birds of Prey, titled Feet of Clay. So until next time. So 
Dave, I don't, I don't know if you knew this, but what I lack in chiseled physique department are more than make up for in my impressive streak of not killing people. 